Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. podcast number god knows what who knows i don't know what number it is who knows what order they're gonna go in is that a boston thing that you say number instead of number you know boston would say number oh it is a boston thing number because that's how you say number how do i what do i do say the same number number <laughs> Nem number I'll fucking come there and fucking hug me. You'll come here and you'll hug me. I will hug you. Nemba. Oh, buddy. What a life. Nemba is not that different than remember. Do you remember that time we were fucking down at the bar and we were playing Keno with Sully and Scappy and Fitzy? And uh, you sent those guys some shots and uh, you told the bartender to send them shots of Zambuca, but it was really water. And they were all excited for free shots of Zambuca, but when they shot them, it was just water. And we would fucking laugh wicked hard. Do you remember that? <laughs> what's up with Kino? That's what stuck out to me. Like, you play Kino? Kino. I mean, you sometimes, if you're sitting at the bar just drinking all day, like, yeah, anything. Anything. To yeah. There he is. Yeah, brah. Yeah. What up? What up? Chaka. What up, brother? Good, man. Good. How are you doing? How are you guys doing? We're Holy awesome. shit. Are you watching the news, dude? Dude, I got a text message from my bass player going like, dude, what the fuck is going on? And I haven't watched news for the last couple of days. Apparently, it's fucking insanity, dude. God, the frustration with everybody, man. I live in Bend, Oregon, where it's really mellow and it's really chill. There's no, there's no fucking COVID here. There's been zero deaths. And wow. people, zero. People are like out and about, regular world. I, you know, I went and did Brazilian jiu-jitsu today. There was 24 people. I'm trying to walk my kids. I'm trying to like show, like show. I, I used to protest a lot back in my animal rights days. I would be front line with the bullhorn. Like, what do we want? Animal liberation. Like super, super hardcore into it. And so there's part of me, you know, that was when I was in my kind of early 30s. And now that I'm 52, this part of me, like growing up, even though like I want my, like I love my family and I want to be protected, but man, it's a, it's a quandary. I've been beat up by the police, I think three times. One time I was handcuffed to the light on the side of the car and the guy literally was slamming my head off the hood of the car. And you know, I was like 15, like there was oh no cell God. phones back then. There was like, you know, I was like, it was brutal. It, there was no cell phones. It was a small town in Boston. And but you uh, so deserved it. With <laughs> the 
I, no, I didn't deserve it. I was just at a party and some kids were throwing rocks at a streetlight and these cops bum rushed us and we all just scrambled and I just happened to get snatched up and I was, and I was tripping on acid, which was not good to get my ass kicked. <laughs> and then I was locked in a cell tripping on acid, which was, it was a bad trip. It was one of the worst trips I've ever had. If you're going to get your head bounced off a cop car hood, it's probably better at 15 than at 52. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Kidding. For sure, I got it all out of my system. The last time I was arrested, I think I was 20. And so it's all out of my system now. <laughs> yeah, last time I was arrested, I was 21. And I, and I don't think, I think it was right before I, I got sober. Like, like I, was, I went to jail three times drinking. Every time it was like drinking and then jail. It, it never ended up jail and then drinking. Drinking always preceded the jail. And uh, I haven't been arrested once since I stopped drinking. Isn't that funny how that works? I almost <laughs> got arrested for punching a guy at the airport sober. <laughs> That's a long story. He deserved it, but. I was supposed to go on a date tonight with my wife. All the restaurants now are open in, in Los Angeles, supposedly. They've, they've released uh, that whole thing. And so I was supposed to go on a date and they just shut down all of West Hollywood and, Be and Beverly Hills. They just shut it down. Wow. I know Orange County's opened up. This restaurant that I love to go to is just called Sushi Bar. And I got a notification today that they're open. And I was like, whoa. Time to go, brother. But not tonight. But I mean, all, jo all joking aside, dude, this is like a trickle down. I mean, a lot of this shit, uh, the leadership of this country is like, what the fuck, man? It doesn't matter what you do for a living in this world or who you are, whether you're a political commentator or a fucking a drummer or a meditation teacher, I'm a fucking meditation teacher, I need to say it. This guy is just, I, I can't sit by and watch it. It's so brutal. I had to have my assistant take over my Instagram and my Facebook because I was getting in these arguments with people and she's going, this is such a bad look for you. You're a fucking meditation teacher. You're a breathwork teacher. You can't be telling people to fuck off. And, on, and I'm like, that's yeah. who I am. You must put the thumbs of fury away. <laughs> Um, well, anyway, um, my good friend, Tommy Lee, the drummer of the fucking epic band Motley Crue, the leader of Methods of Mayhem, and most importantly, the producer of the Electric Love Hawks, <laughs> our guest for today. I love you, Tommy. When I met you, man, you, uh, what was I, 21 probably, 22? I mean, you were fucking hands down the fucking coolest guy I'd ever met. And I remember you were going through so much back then. I mean, you were thinking about losing your lead singer of the band and you were getting another lead singer. Like what was going on in your life back when we were making that record together? Yeah, that was a crazy time. I mean, what wasn't happening then? Along with just being in that band, that normal craziness. That was a really fun time for me though, man, because I, that was my first time producing a couple of those tracks with you guys was really like, ah, I get to play, share my thoughts on musically what I hear or maybe what we could try. And it was just like this adult sandbox playground to go like, ah, fuck, what if we did this? And fuck, turn the guitars off here and then crank the... That was like such a great experience. That was my first time of just jumping in getting my feet wet and and having a blast with you guys. And you guys were fucking the coolest. Like my dream project to play with. Just super funky bass, heavy guitars, your fucking maniac on the mic. That was the ultimate fucking 
time. I really, really enjoyed that. I, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it either, man. I mean, that was the best, some of the best times of my life too, dude. It was like, I just remember um, when, when we started that band, like we just wanted to be the, mo the, the highest energy band. John Paul taught me how to meditate and he's one of my best friends in the world. I don't know if you guys have met yet. When I was in the Electric Love Hogs, I started that band when I was 18 with Donnie, Dave Kushner. And, you know, Dave Kushner went on to start Velvet Revolver and, and yep. Bobby went on to start Orgy. Kelly's now in Buck Cherry. And we've all kind of gone on to do our own separate things. Things, but yeah. we did a showcase for Tommy. It was like Tom Zutau, you, and maybe like six other people, this little private show. I don't think it was open to the public. It was just like this little showcase that we did for you. It, was, it wasn't the coconut teaser, but it was somewhere right near where the coconut teaser used to be. And it was like, I was so fucking freaked out, man. I'm like, this is our shot. Tommy Lee's in the fucking audience. We have <laughs> to fucking destroy. And, and we did. We fucking destroyed. And you, you produced us totally fucking destroyed i'm sitting there like beating on tom's you talking like you gotta sign these guys dude i'm telling you look at this this is fire coming all off of this band you gotta grab these guys this yeah you know the great thing about our business is when you have an ear and an eye like you do like you you were able to define talent really early on because I mean clearly all of us everyone in that band with the Electric Love Hogs Tool played their first show opening for my band Rage Against the Machine we took on we took them on their first tour ever we took Corn on their first tour ever Pearl Jam opened for us Alice in Chains opened for us all these bands we were like dominating LA at the time this new thing was happening you know the Wait, new don't sound. forget about Maroon 5 that was Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was Goldfinger. But yeah. But oh, what? Maroon 5 would not have done well opening for the Love Hogs. They would have been <laughs> fucking murdered, dude. It Here's another crazy thing to add to that is that Tom Zutat that y'all played for, obviously he got caught slipping. He did the same thing. I remember Nikki and I took him to the Roxy to go see this band called Guns N' Roses. <laughs> oh, my God. And, dude. He fucking passed. We're like, you got to sign on these guys. And he passed and Geffen grabbed him. And forever, he wants to kill himself. Yeah. Yes, I don't blame him. That's a fucking tough, that's a hard loss. So the same guy that watched you and passed, passed on fucking GNR. So that's got to tell you something. Yeah. He yeah. has no fucking ear. That's what it tells yeah, me. Hello. Like, yeah, I just don't hear it. Like, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> what? What's wrong with you? Yeah, but he signed Motley Crue, so... <laughs> he, got <me> <laughs> he did all right. I just, every interview that I've ever been, like every interview about my producing career, every time I talk about you and I talk about the experiences that we, that we had, you know, I remember, um, I don't know, maybe tribal, I don't know, something, one of those songs, like I was kind of singing like, da -da -da -da, like down low and you're like, when are you going to rip bro? When are you going to fucking rip? And then I'm like, awesome. ah! like I went, I just, I fucking went off. And it was like, I just learned so much from you, like how to have fun in the studio. I mean, I've done so much shit in the studio that like my wife would literally be like, I cannot believe I'm married to this guy. Like I was making the Atreyu record. Like I had one of those self-heating coffee cups and I just fucking took off my pants and I stuck my nutsack on the bottom of the fucking uh, coffee fuck cup. Out of here. <laughs> my, my nutsack got stuck to the bottom of it and I had to rip it off. It hurt so fucking bad. Dude! But, oh my God! <laughs> the dudes in the band thought it was the funniest shit they'd ever seen. 
And it's like, I remember watching you fucking just get on your back and you just lit a, like a fart on fire. And I was yeah. like, and I, I laughed for like three days and it just, it made for the best experience in the studio of all time, ever. <laughs> Oh my God, good fucking times, man. My first real rock concert was the crew, was White Snake and the crew at the Providence Civic Center, 87. Whoa, dude. Yeah, yeah fucking unbelievable. And it was wow. like, I was like, this is all I want to do is go to rock shows and get high and hook up with chicks and drink. It's all I wanted to do. <laughs> and it's pretty much all I did for the next 15 years. <laughs> then, yeah, you're like, thanks, Tommy. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> But so one of the things we were trying to do with this show, which is cool, I don't know if Feldy told you, we're trying to bring people on here and share about struggles. Like we all have struggles. Like there's not anybody on this planet that isn't fucking struggling, especially now with everything that's going on. I've been struggling a little bit with depression and that's not something I've ever even dealt with. And so what I've been doing is going in the cold plunge and doing that. And that's been shocking me out of the depression. That's cool. Yeah, I teach this thing. The meditation I teach, it's not really meditation. It's called breath work. So What's I it teach, called? It's called breath work. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you lay on the floor and you breathe in this super intense way through your mouth without resting. And it's like a workout. It's like 28 minutes. And it turns off your brain. It turns off part of the frontal lobe in your head. It's amazing. Lord and then it, knows we all need that. Yeah, it clears out the, all the oh. shit out of your nervous system. It clears out all the trauma, all the, all the heartbreak, all the anger, all the stress. And it, most people ball, like they just ball. The most common statement is, holy shit, that's like 20 years of therapy without saying a word. I found it like eight years ago and it changed my life. And then I did it on Feldy. I was like, Feldy, you got to try this thing that I'm doing, right? And he had this incredible experience too, where he just bawled and let all this shit out. And so we do, we bring people on here and we're like, what are you struggling with? And then what are you doing about it? Like, what, do you, what are your tools that you're using? Like, what's the solution today? Wow. You know? One of the things I really struggle with is like, fuck i'll i'll get into this groove of like okay I fucking wake up i say three things that i'm grateful for right off the fucking bat and then yeah. i'll meditate and then i'll get into the rest of my day and I, I feel like that's just the best way to start the day before opening a fucking computer listening to music anything right my biggest frustration is being consistent with that I'll go a couple of weeks and like clockwork. And then all of a sudden I just slide off. I just went to a meeting, not went to, but a virtual Zoom meeting this morning. I haven't made that a priority. And I'm, I just find that's one of my biggest things is just is staying consistent with what the fuck is good for me. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you do these things, you start to feel good and then you're like, oh, I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> like, that, I guess that must be what it is. But it's not even a conscious thought. It's like, you start to feel, like for me, it's not a conscious thought. It's like, I'm working out, I'm doing, I do gratitude too. I have a gratitude affirmations track on YouTube that people use and say all the shit like, thank you for my hands. Thank you for my feet. Thank you. Cause for me, gratitude is... I'm thankful when I feel grateful. That's I so I say thank you. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my breath. And and I start to yes. feel it. I start to feel gratitude. And then yeah. I'll be doing it for a while. And then I'll just, like you said, I'll forget about it. It'll drop off. But yeah. And then it starts to slip in, right? It's insidious. <laughs> it slips in. It's, you know, I'm looking at the news. What the fuck did this guy say? And then and then I look at some comment on social media and then my wife says something that fucking bothers me. And then you're you're back in the funk. My kids just broke something that I just fucking paid for. What? Ah. 
Dudes, I have a question for you. Well, I know John's sober. You're sober too, right? Yes, I'm sober 20 years. Oh, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Professional. Um, no, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> I just, I bottomed out when I was 26 pretty hard. I had some health issues. It was gnarly. And so I bottomed out really hard and then I was ready to stick a gun in my mouth and I just didn't know what to do. And so I asked for help and I got the help that I needed. And I just stuck with it because I didn't know what else to do. I have, so for that 20 years, I've sort of been on this journey of learning spirituality and different things and different stuff. And it's just taken me all over the world with Feldy's band, with different bands. I used to be a sober companion, right? And I had a sober companion business. So I guess I am a professional. <laughs> so yeah, I have a companion business where I send people out on tours and stuff like that, right? You know, uh -huh. those dudes do. So I did that for a long time for a lot of big celebrities and musicians and stuff like that. I found this breathwork thing eight years ago and it was life-changing. People were like, what are you doing? You're like mellow all of a sudden and you're nice. And I'm like doing this weird breathing thing, man, where I just lay on the floor and I breathe and then I fucking ball. And then I feel gratitude and love and it turns off my head and it puts me in my heart. And so what was your question? I'm sorry. That's cool. No, no, thank you. Thank you for that. I just don't know. Is it, is it okay or is it considered a drug? Doing a lot of thought and a little bit of research on, is it okay to do if you're a sober guy, like the ayahuasca thing? Because I've heard that that goes way, way back to your childhood and does some fucking wild, like letting go of a lot of dumb shit. It's a great fucking question. And I think you're gonna have a myriad of responses. I can only speak for myself because Acid and mushrooms, I never did for the idea of expanding my mind into, I mean, I did it for the sake of getting high. I mean, that was the sole purpose of me doing hallucinogens. And for me, I guess my thought process would be, I'd worry about getting back into that spiral of, well, if I'm doing this drug, what do I need to come down out of it? Or would I want to do it every day? Or would it trigger that obsession of the mind that I have to go into other drugs? I had such a fucking bad acid trip, man. Like I, in Santa Cruz one time I took acid. It was like, everything was cool. I had this coffee mug shaped like Chewbacca and we were trailing off the seagulls and all that shit. And then it just turned left. This guy was jackhammering in the parking lot and I just thought it was the universal nuclear alarm. And I'm like, we're gonna die. And I'm running oh in the freeway. It was awful. So I heard that you have to throw up and I can't think of anything I'd wanna do less than throwing up ever. So. Yeah. But I think that this is something that you would, you know, really discuss with your, you know, your team of people that are, you know, helping you with sobriety, I think. So, so here's the deal that from my experience and what I've discovered is, um, so I teach people how to teach breath work now. That's my thing. I'm a teacher to the teachers. I train people and I'm getting so many people in my trainings for breath work who have gone to these ayahuasca ceremonies in the jungle. Because what they do is they actually do the breath work at the ceremonies too. They say, if you don't get the spiritual experience from the ayahuasca, then you'll get it from the breath work. And everybody's like blown away because when you go to a jungle to take ayahuasca and puke into a bucket, you expect to trip balls, but you don't expect to trip balls when you lay down and breathe in this way. So they're like, yeah, the ayahuasca was cool, but the breath work blew my mind. And here's the thing that I always say, it's like, you can't do ayahuasca on a Tuesday afternoon when you're having a bad day, right? But you can yeah. lay down and breathe on your floor for 20 minutes. And there have been times, this guy ripped me off for 10 grand, I'm going to go kill him. And then I'm like, you know what, let me lay down and breathe. 
And then I come up 25 minutes later filled with gratitude and love. So it's taking me from homicide to gratitude and love in 25 minutes. I have friends who are in this transformational world, right? The self-help transformational world. And they've tried to take me to Rhythmia, which is like the spot. Oh, and that's... they're like, I'll pay for everything. And, and it's not what a big guys what, is it, um, what is it that you've heard? What have you heard about this, Tommy? One of those Rhythmia people hit me up and gave me a card. This lady was speaking who I met in rehab. And this guy hit me up and he's like, man, you, I'm telling you, you got to do this. And I mean, I've watched documentaries on DMT and ayahuasca. I've just kind of watched all this stuff. I have a friend who went to the Amazon to go do it, who is a fucking raging cocaine addict. He has not since touched the drug. And he claims that it's just, it's gone. I don't I've know. Heard, I've heard stories like that. And, 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 you know, I've heard from people who have long-term sobriety, who have done it and had incredible experiences. And they say, it's not addictive. And it clears out all this stuff. And you have a spiritual experience and changes their life. And Dr. Drew, who was like, show me where it's changed your life. Like, uh, show, like show me a measurable result. How has it changed your life? And yeah. he's like, nobody can ever seem to really answer that. I don't know. I don't have an opinion on it either way. I don't want to do it personally. I'd love to take you through a session, through a breathwork session and have you trip balls just laying on your floor breathing. That would be dope. I'd, I'd be down with that and for sure. And you can do that right there. I do it on Zoom every Sunday. I do a class or I'll take you through a private session, me and you one-on-one -on -one, or me, you and Feldy, whatever. And you'll have an experience oh, wow. like you've never had in your life. And you'll be like, that just blew me away. And then you can decide. I would love to, man. Consider it done. Right. I, I'll do it in a second. I, I had never had one before and I was in fucking rehab and we did this fucking amazing guy came through uh, once a week to do these sound baths. Yeah. And dude, here I am. And I think, I don't know, two weeks into, into rehab and I hadn't heard any music and, and just trying to fucking get your shit together basically. And, I've done sound baths. So I've done breath work combined with sound baths. So we do my breathing and then the guy goes out and does the bowls and the thing and, the, and all the stuff. I fucking had tears running down my eyes. Yep. Got up after the thing and I fucking hugged the guy. I was like, I, you took me to a fucking whole nother place and the sound of music and the vibrations and flipped out. And I love shit like that, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fucking sucker for it or whatever that is. But in, in my live cool. classes, we have a gong. I have a gong and sometimes two gongs on either end of the room. And I'm playing music when I'm doing the breath work. It's not a mellow thing. You're laying on your floor, you're breathing intense. And I got music cranked and I'm shouting over the music. Keep breathing. How you do anything is how you do everything. Work harder. I'm, solid. I'm trying to keep you moving, trying to keep you like it's, it's hard. Right. And so I'm pushing you yeah. through it. And then at the very end, we wail on the gong and I count it down and everybody screams into the gong just fucking ah fuck you dad fuck you trump just like like 250 people right just screaming like guttural screams and it's wow. so crazy because people will come up to me afterwards and they're like that was amazing and then i have you pull moments of gratitude moments of love in your heart like afterwards when you're laying there which is really cool but people will say like oh my god that scream was so powerful that you know the moments but I used to do it with this guy, his name was Guy Douglas, and I had a studio in LA where we would do the breath work and then afterwards he'd do the sound bath. And so people were cracked open from the breath work and then he was playing the bowls and the gongs and the chimes and all that shit. And he would say that the gongs are tuned to the frequency of the sun and the moon and the whole thing. Like, <laughs> 
all that stuff is supposed to be healing for your body all those sound healing instruments right absolutely i believe you on they're all sound is vibration heals the body yeah Yeah. absolutely you got to add them to your studio brother dude i you know what's so crazy i have all the bowls here you know the the crystal bowls yeah yeah i i love those man i could sit there and it's hard for me because i want to put those on on a record somehow (laughs) i think i just leave that to like when i meditate or i just listen to it on my own but there's something hypnotic about them. Have you done the Peisty gongs at all? No, man. So but I, I have two of them. The one. Right out here, there's a 60-inch gong. Uh, maybe it's too Yeah, far. yeah, 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 yeah. I see it. Oh, my God. Is that the one you used to catch on fire? Yeah, it's gi- dude, it's ginormous. It's hanging oh, right over the studio. Oh, so sick. The mallet's like this. It's fucking... <laughs> <laughs> And it's right in the middle of the house. Like, it literally shakes the whole house. Oh I fucking God. love that, man. Have you, um, like, after all that stuff, I mean, did you feel like you had some sort of spiritual experience, like, going through rehab and all that? I feel like the sound baths really took me to another place and not so much sort of the textbook rehab stuff. And I found myself in like group situations a lot. It did make me a better listener. I'm listening to other people's problems. But the sound bath, for some reason, just really took me to another place and let me sort of just do some introspection, you know, go inward instead of like paying attention to what was happening with this person and that and myself. I really, really enjoyed And I got the guy's number. He's like, dude, I will come, you know, do it just for you or if you want a group of people. And he comes in with this whole setup. It's like, I got to do it. I probably know who it is. Is, it, is his name Guy? No. His, okay. name is, his name is Gabriel. Okay. I know who he is. He, the dude's got albums out. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He's got like a sequence playing on keyboards and the didgeridoo. And then on the mic, he's got, you know, voice repeaters. So he's there's three and four part harmonies and these ghosty... Yeah ethereal sound dude that dude's a badass well but it's just think about it from a standpoint like when do we ever give ourselves just a fucking permission to just lay there and do nothing right i'm gonna put my phone away and i'm gonna lay on the floor or wherever and just do nothing for 45 minutes and just listen like that doesn't fucking happen anymore it's almost like why wouldn't you take that fucking moment you know and be selfish about it like for some reason that's what I was saying earlier. I find it hard to fucking do that for myself. And that's just like maybe a, a self-love thing of like, well, dude. So that's the reframe, Tommy, because it's not selfish because you can't be the best husband, father, friend, whatever, music producer, if you're not taking care of yourself. So it's not selfish. Like I, I have to do, I do all this wacky shit. I do the float tank and the cold plunge and the meditation and the breathing. And then I'm an awesome dad and an awesome husband. But if I'm not doing that shit, I'm a dick. It's just that simple, right? And so it's not selfish. It's like what I have to do to be a good guy, to be the best version of me. Feldy's routine is even, it might even be more insane than my routine, right, Feldy? I do. I have to do a lot because I think about myself a whole hell of a lot and I <laughs> fucking can't stand it. You know, yeah. it's 
just, I need to get out of myself. So helping others is the, is the quickest way. If I'm calling you and I'm saying, dude, how are you doing? That's the fastest way for me to get out of myself. You know, I don't know, I don't know what I believe, man. It's like, I, I just pray anyway. It's like, I was raised Christian. So I, you know, I was taught, you know, Jesus, which is fine. If that's your thing, it, it didn't really resonate with me, but I pray anyway. Because there is, that, I mean, to me, if Einstein believes that there's vast laws controlling the universe, if he believes that, why wouldn't I believe that? So I pray to those vast laws that kind of hold us all in place, floating out here on this rock that we live in. I pray, I, I do a cold shower every day. You know, I just, I work out like a motherfucker. I took you boxing with me. I remember, I think you were smoking a cigarette when we were driving. <laughs> you had a cigarette, you're like, woo, woo. I know, and walking the rest of the way back. Well, the funny thing about smoking too is people don't even realize one of the things they love the nicotine but you also love when i used to smoke you take that deep breath that first just like that's a big deep breath right yes. and that yep. will make you feel better just a big deep breath if you did it without the cigarette if i just was like yeah that's the first fucking inhale isn't it isn't it just like that the same thing in meditation when you're breathing and then all of a sudden I don't know. It's weird. It's, you're not unconscious, but you're just unconscious of your breathing. All of a sudden, you're like, fuck, was I breathing? I love that when you leave yep. and you don't know where the fuck you were, and it's awesome. Like, yeah. fuck, what a cool trip. I tell this story way too much. I have a float tank, a sensory deprivation tank. It's like a, this is like a pyramid, and it's filled with 10 inches of water and 800 pounds of Epsom salt, and it's pitch black. And you put in earplugs, and you go in and you float, and it turns off all your senses, and the water is heated to 94 degrees, which is your skin temperature. So you don't hear anything, you don't feel anything, and you, you literally disappear. If once wow. you get used to it, you disappear and you leave, and sometimes I come back and I'm like, like, where the fuck was I? Like, where, <laughs> where, where was I in the fifth dimension? I don't know. <laughs> It's like my sacred space. Like I go in this thing. I don't let anybody else in it. Just float. I do it almost every day and I shut it all down and I just disappear. Have you ever done that, John? I've never done it, man. I got to check that shit out. Do you get one? Musician friends of mine go to a place in Santa Monica. They rave about it. And I'm like, There's tons of places now. There used to only be one down in Venice Beach. That's the first one I went to when I was 31. The Float Lab, right? Which is Crash's that's, place, right? That's the one. Yes, yeah, one. Sorry, not Santa Monica, Venice. Yeah, yeah. So, and now he has he has a better setup in Westwood. And they have them. They have them in the valley. They have them all over these float labs. People are like, I want to buy one. I'm like, listen, go try it out a bunch of times first before you put a four thousand dollar float tank in your house or a ten that whatever you know, whatever one you're gonna get. Some people don't like it. Some people, you know, freaks them out or whatever. I love it because it takes all the inflammation out of your body. So 800 pounds of Epsom salt takes all the inflammation out of your body, puts magnesium in your body, which we're all deficient in magnesium. You sleep better when you have magnesium in your body. You sleep like a fucking yes. baby. I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which I'm pretty beat up. And if I don't go in there the next day, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so old. I can't move. Everything hurts. And I'm like, oh, I can't. It takes all that shit because you're weightless. It takes all the tension out of your body. Got to try it. Yeah. Yeah, dude, if you get one, I'll come over. We'll cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get in your float tank together and just float away. <laughs> just. <laughs> I know. Get like, get like one for five. We'll just all like lay in there. 
So there's no music, right? It's just silence. You can put music on. I like it silent. You can put headphones on and listen to things. Sure. Athletes are using them now. A lot of professional athletes are using them because 95% of your brain's input is taken up from your senses. Gravity, sight, hearing, feeling, right? And when you take that away, you have all this extra brain power. You can learn, they say you can learn another language in there like 10 times faster. Wow. So like athletes will watch like a perfect pass or some plays or whatever. And they, some of them come with screens in there or they listen to languages and different things. And I've listened to stuff in there. I like to just go within. I like to just disappear. It seems, I mean, I've never done it, but it seems like to me that if you were to shut off all of that, it seems like you're, at least my brain would start looking for things. The opposite of relaxing. Now you're like, you know, what's going on? What's out there? The first couple times, maybe. The very first time I did it was that I was on a date with this girl and we went to Six Flags and it was closed. And I was furious, like Wally World, like the va vacation movie. I wanted to fucking punch something. And she's like, let's go do this float tank thing. And I was like, all right, whatever. And Crash, the guy was like, oh, it's your birthday. He's like, I don't have anyone after you. You can stay in there as long as you want. And usually it's like an hour. I came out four hours later, I didn't know. And he was Whoa. like, holy shit, I've never seen anyone do four hours the first time. And I went back through my life and forgave everyone who ever wronged me and did something terrible to me. I had a spiritual experience in there. I don't, I've never shared it before. I can't believe I just fucking shared it here. But I've never shared it before. And I went through and I had a spiritual experience, like forgiving all these people that screwed me over. I worked at Gold's Gym in Venice. I was a trainer at Gold's Gym at the time. So I ended up buying like a package of sessions from him and I would go over after working with people and just float in the afternoon and I became like really into the thing and it would help my back and all my different soreness. And it was super, um, what was cool was I would come out of it and my whole body would be relaxed and I would be relaxed, but my senses would be heightened. Like everything would look brighter and fuller and amazing. So I was like super chill with the heightened senses. I think people expect a lot their first time and like nothing happens in there. Like that's what you got to know. Like, and you're going to get bored and then you got to kind of, you got to stay past the boredom. Nice. Like meditation, you know, like I'm bored and let me just go back to focusing on my breath and okay. And then you disappear and then you come and you're, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm bored again. And so you got to kind of force yourself. And the longer you stay in sort of the trippier it gets. I've had my own for like five years. So I get in there and I just drop in instantly. I'm out and I go out and I'm kind of like half asleep, half awake in what they call theta brain waves. And so that's like the best relaxed state. I, I've gone down been, the road. Um, recording a bunch since this COVID thing started. Yeah, dude, oh my God. I was, just, I was just talking with my manager. I'm like, dude, five, five, six songs just in this short time. And it's like, first two singles come out next week and i'm like dude three of these are fucking insane and i'm like can i fucking just master them real quick and stick them on he's like no no hang on to them but yeah i've been writing some really cool shit in this weird kind of time to answer your question yeah yeah fuck yeah man it's like the best time to just sit there and write when no one's around distraction like this the hardest thing for writing is being distracted your phone my wife my kids you know when they when they're all at school and everyone's gone it's the best yes i i hear you man you know what i've been doing too dude is like and you don't do it when you're writing what i've been doing with a lot of the downtime is further educating myself like fuck there's a bunch of new technology there's new soft synths 
and there's some stuff here that I can learn more about. And you don't do that when you're fucking writing music. You fucking write the music. But I've been just tweaking a lot, which is really cool, you know? Doing that stuff that you'd normally don't do in the studio because you're making, you're writing music. You're not kind of teching out. So I've been really fucking digging that. I got my, co my built-in coffee machine right there. Fire the coffee machine. I go in, find some new plug-in, and just tweak. There it is. All the, I mean, there's so many. Every fucking day there's a new plug-in, and this does better shit than this one does. Yeah, didn't so. You tell me, didn't you tell me you had a Starbucks, like some kind of Starbucks at your house? Yes. It's right outside the studio. <laughs> fucking big machine, the grinders. Who's the barista? It's me. <laughs> I make a fucking mean cappuccino, dude. Can you make the designs in it? Like when you're pouring the milk, can you do that? No, I wish I could. And I, I mean, there's YouTube tutorials and shit on that. My buddy of mine's really fucking good at it. Watching someone do it, you're like, it doesn't look that easy either. It looks, there's some talent there with the... Yeah. It's, how they, it's, it's how you put the milk at the bottom. You have to put it up and around. It's like layers of a cake, the way that they do it to get the flour or the bird or whatever. Or the heart, when they pull the milk down and it kind of pulls the heart, in, the tops in. You, you remember when we fucking played the Roxy and you came on stage, we did Foxy Lady? Yes. You remember that shit? You played oh my God. And that Hendrix song with us? Fuck yeah. Yeah, I think we did, I think we did Foxy Lady and Shout Out the Devil back to back. It was That's like, right. It was right. fucking greatest, one of the greatest moments of my life, dude. Remember, remember when we were in the studio and they were making the Metallica Black album and Lars kept calling up the studio. He was like, dude, how do you groove, man? How do you groove? lay back, bro? And he was calling me all the time and be like, dude, I, I can't fucking lay back. I'm like, just play behind the beat, dude. You know, because I know that he's listening to a click track and he's just playing like right on the fucking beat. Hit the snare drum right at, just, you know, just be lazy. I don't know. Smoke some weed. <laughs> go go for a he, run. Yeah, just I don't know like, that, dude. He doesn't seem like he's smoking a lot of weed. He doesn't yeah, know. Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets are, I mean, dude, his style of drumming is like fucking epic. I mean, he's like an ep obviously an epic drummer, but I think yeah. when he made the Black Album, I, I just remember being in the studio going, if there's anyone that he can learn from, it's you. That feel on Dr. Feelgood, I think was what was the, the album that was around that time. Yeah. Um, one song, we like, you know, that, that beat. I remember going to one-on-one -on -one studios. I don't know if you were with me, but we toured that studio before we decided to record the record at Devonshire, you know, cause back then you'd make records on two inch tape. They had, and, and on that, on those two inches, you would have the kick drum, the snare drum, the hi-hat, the overheads, like little teeny pieces of that two inch tape were all different instruments. Yep. And this would be for Pro Tools. I remember seeing pieces, it was like Lars, kick drum number 37. They cut out a little piece of tape and put it around the studio walls to know like enter Sandman, you know, number 42 snare drum. And I'm just yeah. had to lay him back by moving the pieces. Yeah, and then there'd be, they would just record just, just ambience and they would slice in, they'd take his snare drum, cut it, move it late and then add air cuts. And there's a million little slivers and drums and fucking fills. Dude, those fucking guys, man, there was so much editing. I remember Randy Staub, 
who's the engineer who's also doing the the razor blade and, and chopping them i remember going stopping by there one day probably like 11 30 at night and he's just like black circles under his eyes he's fucking gained weight and he's just like he literally wanted to kill himself he's like i've never edited so much shit in my life and this is before pro pro tools now it's just fucking boop boop done i know dude <laughs> what a nightmare Randy stop i wonder how much fuck i mean how many drugs you had to do to fucking keep up with that shit back then back in the day imagine dude i mean fuck Technology, man, it's crazy. I was out in the driveway with my kids and they were picking up like leaves and pine cones and different things. They're like, what's this? And you literally, I just go into Google, right? And you hit the camera in Google and it, it'll tell you exactly what it's called and what it is. Yes. And, and they go, well, how did you? And I said, we didn't have this when I was a kid. And they said, well, how did you know what they were? And I said, I don't, I'm just learning right now. Like, I don't know what any <laughs> of this shit is actually called. Like, I'm literally learning it right now with you. Oh my you know? God. My oh daughter my wants to do a show, like a bug show on YouTube where she's seven, you know, and she wants to like go out there and find bugs. And you can literally just click the camera on the bug and it tells you exactly what it is. I don't know what the fuck any of these bugs are called. You can just take a picture of it. And you're, and you take you're a picture good. of it. And it tells you everything about it. It's crazy. Yeah. Have like, you seen the video of the two kids? The father gives them a phone number and a rotary phone and they're like 16 yeah, and they can't figure out how to use it. They're literally trying to dial the phone number and they don't know how to do the rotary phone. They're sticking their finger in the, in the hole part, trying to press the button. They're like, no dude, you gotta fucking dial it. Yeah, my parents, yeah. my brother had so many girlfriends and long distance calls that they put a lock and the lock went in one of those holes and it had a key. So that you couldn't dial the rotary. They lock the phone when they leave the house. Like, that's the shit that I grew up with. It was crazy. Unbelievable, man. First time going to Australia before cell phones and just like, you just fucking sat there. I mean, for me, I just stared at the back of my seat. I'm like, I did some push-ups in the aisle. Like, <laughs> back in those days, it's just like, I mean, I guess people are still, I mean, probably coach doesn't have TVs in every flight, right? It does, depending on the length of the flight. I mean, I still go back there every once in a while. <laughs> I've flown private and I mean, you guys know, it's like once you fly private, they should never let anyone fly private who can't do it for the rest of their fucking life. It's just, yeah. it, ru it ruins you. Like when you pull up to the plane and you just walk on the plane and somebody else gets your bags, you don't deal with security, you're just fucking ruined forever. You never want to deal with the regular airport again. You never want to do any of that shit. I did a trip with like Matthew Perry from Friends is a good friend of mine. And we were traveling around watching the Kings play. I didn't even know this existed where you go to a special entrance and it's a red velvet rope and you're the only one in there with a lady checking you in. It's like a special fucking thing at LAX. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they hustle you through like the back hallways and you go into the, you know, the lounge, the club or whatever it's called. And then you go into another one inside of that. And then another one inside of that until you're basically alone in a room. And I was like, this is amazing. I, I got a good one for you. You want to talk about spoiled as fuck. My kids obviously been on several private jet flights. I'm going somewhere with their, their mom at the time. To oh, we were, we were going to Hawaii. And this is the first commercial flight my kids have ever been on. <laughs> You're going to fucking die. My, my, my oldest son is sitting next to me, and my other son's across the, the aisle with his mom. And my son looking at these people, and he's getting fucking irritated, and he's looks at me and he goes, dad. I go, what's up, bud? He goes, 
who are all these people on our flight? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, he doesn't know that this is a fucking, this is how everybody travels. He thinks, <laughs> he, he thinks this is our, he thinks this is our plane. And like, what the, how could all these people possibly be on it? <laughs> and he said, he said it so loud. Like I had to turning around. I was like, it's his first time on a real airplane. Sorry. It's fucking embarrassing, but hilarious. <laughs> That's a great life you've given your kids, man. What a great dad you are, huh? <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, That's good how God. I feel when I fly. I'm like, who are all these people on my fucking plane? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's one thing I'm, I'm fucking upset about is it's fucking 2020. And you know what? The universe, or whoever's in fucking charge, lied to us because in the year 2000, we were supposed to all have our own little fucking... Yeah. Or teleport, like you hit a button and it like takes you apart in particles and then it re, you re puts you back together like wherever the hell you want to go. Yeah, what happened to that? Where's, where are our little personal spacecrafts? Like where's, where's Jetsons? It's 2020, they're 20 years late and they lied. Elon Musk, he's gonna do it. Fuck, that would be nice. And I, I, I just hope that I'm alive to see that day and, and actually have a little spaceship. That would be so dope. <laughs> If anyone's going to get one, dude, it's you, dude. You just got a new car, like a, like a new cart, right? Did I see you get a new golf cart or something? Yeah, it's like a little electric guy. It's called a Moke, M-O-K-E. So what is, fun. What does it do? It's just, a, it's just like a little, uh, it's just like a cruiser, you know? It's street legal and um, goes like 40 miles on one charge. And just kind of like put, put around, like take it to the store or down to the fucking... Called the neighborhood, the golf course, whatever. It's I gotta, get, I gotta get one of those things. You, you take it down to the commons. Yeah, dude. The commons it's, are open back up. They just it, opened up today. They did. I'll see you and your moke down there, brother. Yeah, I'll, I'll come get you. Yeah, dude. I, I, I'm like my, my son's been begging. He wants to get an electric motorcycle, and I'm like, I don't think I'm ready for that yet, brother. I just got two electric bikes and one is like a cargo bike where you can put the kids on the back. They're inside the thing. You know what I mean? They sit on a seat and like this thing, you literally just turn the little throttle on it and it takes off. It's fucking rad. That only goes like 20 miles an hour, but the other electric bike goes 30 miles an hour. And to go 30 miles an hour on a bike, on a bicycle is like, it's about as fast as you want to go on a bicycle. You should yes. get one of those and, and have them try that out first, Feldy, because that's yeah, pretty fun. Like, there's some electric bikes out that are really cool. There's a company called Mate, M-A-T-E, yeah. and there's another, I just saw this other company that actually makes men and women's electric bikes, and the company's called Rad. Yeah, that's what we have. We have the Rad Wagon. We have the, the orange Rad Wagon. There you go. And then the other bike I got is an Aventon bike, which is like a little faster. And so they're, yeah, they were awesome. And I just been like, I jump on this thing and I just, press it and bend where i live in oregon is a bike town like everybody rides bikes here so there's bike lanes everywhere the cars are super respectful of you it's it's not like la where somebody's gonna might like just be on their cell phone making their pedicure appointment and just fucking plow <laughs> into you in their range true, rover true. you got to be a little more careful but it's amazing and just ride all around town in this thing it's, it's great yeah. dude get an electric bike for him man i mean out here where john and i live there's painted off proper bike lanes yeah. 
it's safe. We we rip the bikes down to the store all the time. You rip them down to the commons. Yeah, the the electric bikes. They're fucking killer. Even yeah. when they were younger, when your kids were younger. Oh no, I was just talking about yeah, me and my wife take them. But I'm oh saying, shit, okay. Yeah, my daughter's eleven. I'm a little freaked out that she's gonna be like. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, that's yeah. That maybe that's a, a little too soon. But you can put her on the back though. That's what I do. I put my kids are four and seven. I throw them on the back helmets. They're inside these bars too. So there's like bars around them. There's like hand bars from the hold here, and then bars on the outside. If the thing ever went down, they wouldn't even hurt them. That's right. I saw. I remember seeing that. Yeah, on the rad wagon. It's pretty cool. Looks like someone's buying a fucking electric bike soon. <laughs> we'll race dude we'll race up fucking parkway calabasas yeah <laughs> i can't wait for this shit to be over so we can hang again i know i know man i miss you i miss you too dude thanks so much for coming on the show dude we love you yeah it was okay. rad and and i want to take you through a breathwork session so i'll have feldy get me your contact or we'll figure it out and i want to take you through your you and your wife can do it whatever you want to do right dude that sounds great i would love to do that i'll get your info from feldy It'd be a gift from me to you. You'll, you'll fucking love it. You'll trip balls. You'll clear all your shit out. You'll, and I'll fill you back in with gratitude and love. And you'll be like, that was the craziest thing I've ever done. So Done. Done. All right. We're doing it. Yeah. Woo! All right. Thanks for coming on, man. This has been awesome. You're the best. Yes, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Tommy. <laughs> See you, fellas. Later. y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcast